Let's, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we start. Lord, I just want to thank you for um, your presence here today. And um, I want to lift up other churches in our community who are worshiping you today, Lord. We want to lift up um, uh, Adrian Starks, a World Victory Church, Lord, a friend of mine. Lord, just thank you for him. I pray you bless that ministry this morning. I pray for Jeff M Miller at um, Christ Church Presbyterian, Lord. Would you lift him up, Lord? We just thank you for the different churches around this area, Lord, that you are, um, are being preached and lifted up. And Lord, we are thankful that we're just one of them, Lord. Um, bless our brothers and sisters, and bless us now, Lord, as we come before you in your word. Help us to hear your voice and listen for your prompting and for your, for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're in a study right now on how to bless and how to love our neighbor. And if you're like me, you might be tempted to say, well, that's just kind of not my strong suit, okay? That's all strong suit, not mine. It's my husband's strong suit. You cannot believe how great he is at this. Just, you know, we show up in a neighborhood and he's immediately introducing himself to people. He knows what they do for a living, how many kids they have. We were in our 20s, in our very first apartment. We were probably the youngest people in the whole neighborhood. And yet Paul Graham went around and he knew people. He knew their names. He knew why. This is why he's always the last one to get back to his seat. You know, this is, you know, this is his, his personality. I could never remember anybody's name. I was kind of too shy to introduce myself to anybody. I just wanted to get into my house. So, I, you know, it was just not my strong suit. And then, of course, it got a little bit better when we moved to our house in Pleasantville, New York, and, you know, we had kids. Kids are great introducers. Kids and dogs. So if you want to get to know your neighbors, get a kid or a dog, all right? And um, that will help you. And so other people in the neighborhood had kids, and so I did get to know the families there. We made some really wonderful friendships. But you know, if somebody new would move into the neighborhood, it would only be a couple of days before Paul Graham already knew their names and where they were and where they'd come from. And I'd still be like, wait a minute, somebody moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> I, I didn't even notice that they'd left. The other one had left. You know, so it's not my strong suit, okay? I'm just saying. And I, I, I don't really have an excuse. I'm not sure why. I like to blame it a little bit on the fact that I actually deep down am introverted. I know you'd be, you know, maybe that's a surprise, but I, I am an introvert. And if you are an introvert here this morning, you know that just going out and meeting your neighbors, just, just randomly walking out and talking to your neighbors is a very kind of scary thing. Uh, it's a little bit like going to a party where you don't know anybody and, you know, suddenly you have to, you know, make conversation. It's, it's, it's a kind of a scary thing. It's very hard to jump in and, and just introduce yourself and do it. And, um, you know, so I do, I do blame it a little bit on that. But, but guess what? That doesn't give me a pass on loving my neighbor. It doesn't give you a pass either if you're an introvert out there. And what helps me in all of this when I think about meeting our neighbors and loving our neighbors is to realize that, that loving and knowing and blessing your neighbor is kingdom work. We talked about the kingdom. We sang about the kingdom this morning. It's kingdom work. It's, it's not just a nice to have, but it's the work of the kingdom. We are people of the kingdom, as Dottie said this morning in the vineyard. That's what we can, what does that mean? It means that when Jesus came and he came on earth and he lived and he worked and he healed and he taught and then he died for us and rose from the dead, it means that when he came, he said, I'm bringing the kingdom here on earth. When he, when he is here, he, was the, he is the kingdom. And so when we become followers of Jesus and we begin to know Jesus, you and I are ushered into a new family. We are made into a new creation and we are now part of a new kingdom. You and I, while we might live in this, this region, which is the kingdom of this world, we actually reside in the kingdom of heaven. 
it is within you. You live in the kingdom of heaven. You're kingdom dwellers. And wherever you go, the scent of the kingdom is on you. The Holy Spirit is on you. And so that should mean that wherever you go, there's a piece of Jesus spilling out. That there's love spilling out. That there's peace spilling out. That there's service and care serving out. That there's listening spilling out of you because the kingdom is in you and it's with you and it becomes, it comes with you. And it's not just for church. There's no point in being a kingdom person if it only shows up when you're with other kingdom people. Now, it's wonderful to be with other kingdom people, right? There's something beautiful that God does when God's people join together in his presence and we, we worship him and God shows up in miraculous ways. He heals, he, he speaks, he, we can sense his presence as we worship. You know, he's here and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But guess what? The Holy Spirit is also in you so that when you walk out those doors, it goes with you. Kingdom goes with you. Kingdom goes with you. I mentioned uh, a new friend of mine, Bishop Adrian Stark. He's the pastor at World Victory Church in Greensboro, and he recently preached on this. I love it when God is telling all the churches the same thing. And I just love the way he said it, so I'm going to read it to you. I don't say it as cool as he said it. He's got this deep, resonant voice. But let me just tell you what he said, because it's amazing. He said this, You've got the anointing of the Lord on you to touch a life in a way that you would never have imagined. Can I say that again? We don't often think of the anointing of God to be on us for touching others. But you have an anointing of the Lord on you to touch a life in a way that you would never have imagined. But if the only thing you use the anointing on your life to do is to come in here in church with your good Christian self and sing and dance and then you go home and don't touch any other life, if you don't stretch and allow God to put you in some uncomfortable places, he goes on to say, why did God gift you in your sweet, pretty self? Is it so you could be sweeter and prettier? Or is it so he can take back? You're, you're pretty enough. Or is it so he can take back and expand the kingdom of God and the earth? My question is, who are you touching? Amen, Bishop Adrian, that is a good word. Who are you touching? God is already at work around you, moving and drawing people towards himself. Do you want to be part of that kingdom work? You, get, you and I get to be part of that kingdom work, what God is doing out in the world. And so that sounds straightforward, but some of you might be saying, well, kingdom stuff. I mean, that's big stuff. I'm just little old me. This sounds hard. And fortunately, today, we are on a very simple word, okay? We're going through this book, Blessed, by John and Dave Ferguson, about how to love your neighbor. And yes, last week, we were on be, which was to be in prayer, that we should be beginning to pray for our neighbors. And I'm going to keep urging you to do that. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for that person you bump into at the grocery store. Pray for that person at the health club where you go. Pray for people. Pray for divine appointments and to be, and to have conversations with people. But this week, we're talking about L, which is simply to listen. And wow, that's pretty simple, right? Y'all got two ears? I think you do. So I think you can listen. I think I can listen. We can do it. It's, it's simple. And you might be thinking, well, that's a little bit lame. I mean, don't I need to have all my apologetics worked out, explain why Jesus rose from the dead and why we believe the Bible is true? And don't I have to have all my theological statements worked out about all the hard issues in our world today? Don't I have to have that all figured out before I, before I can reach my neighbors? And the answer to that is, no, you don't. We just need to listen. 
and love our neighbors. It's great if you've got your apologetics worked out. Awesome, that's great. And if you can speak from the Bible. But, but God is asking us simply to love our neighbor. To love our neighbor. And this is something that Jesus did and he calls us to do. He says, remember the key theme from this series, from Jesus' own lips, love your neighbor as yourself. So we're simply learning to love and give others the care and attention that we automatically give ourselves. We take care of ourselves all the time. And so this is one of the ways we can love our neighbors simply by listening. So we're just gonna talk today about three things we should be listening to. And the first one is listening to your actual neighbor. The actual person, listen to them. Willard puts it this way, the first act of love is always the giving of attention. It needs just time. Time and attention to be with your neighbor and listen to their stories, listen to who they are. Scripture talks about this all the time. We're not, by the way, if you're listening, you're not the one talking. I don't know if that's obvious, but just, you know, you can't listen and talk at the same time, can you? So Scripture talks about this all the time. I think God must have known we needed to hear it. Proverbs 18, 13. To answer before listening, that is folly. How much do we see? A lot of answering before listening this world. James 1, 19 to 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note. Quick to listen. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And Proverbs 10, 19. Sin is not ended by multiplying words. But holding our tongue and just simply listening. One of the best ways to love others is to start asking good questions and then just listening for the answers. And you know what, this actually helps me as an introvert, so if you're an introvert out there, it's helpful because it means you don't have to have anything particularly profound to say. I've just gotten good over the years at asking good questions. And when you ask questions, it's, it's a delight because people love to answer the questions and know that they're heard. It's an act of love to hear someone's story. And boy, people feel valued and loved when you are able to listen to their story and to listen to who they are. And so, you know, you get good at asking questions. How are you, you know, what are you guys doing on vacation? Why do you like to go there? You know, how, 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 what's your career? You know, how'd you end up in this career? What, how old are your kids? What's it like having three boys or two girls or whatever it is you have? You know, ta- talking to people and listening to their story. People are so interesting. Once you get to know them, once you listen to them, they're so interesting. Everyone has a story. Jesus was good at this good at taking each person where they were. Um, And we're going to look at Luke 18 for a moment here in verses 35 to 43. It says this, as he... And Jesus stopped and commanded. To see here about what Jesus does with this man, how Jesus was a good neighbor to this man. The first thing is that Jesus interrupted his schedule for him. This was not on Jesus' plan to do any more healing. He was on his way to Jericho. You know when you're on a trip, you got the car all packed, you're ready to go, you do not want to be interrupted. 
He, gets, he lets himself get interrupted. He puts down his to-do list, the places to go, people to be, all that he needs to do, and he puts it down and pays attention to this man. Let me just say this to you, and I'm saying it to myself very much as much as I'm saying it to you. There will always be a reason we can't stop to say hello. There's always something on our list we got to do. There's always a to-do list. There's always a little bit of work we got to get done. There's always the lawn that needs to get mowed or the dishes that have to be done. There's always work that you brought home from the office or work that you have at home because your office is at home. There's always something to do. Am I right? Always something that will prevent us from just stopping and having a conversation, seeing our neighbor out in the yard. Always something that will stop us from saying, hey, why don't you come over Friday night, we'll just have drinks. No, I'm so busy, I got so many things to do. There's always going to be something. There's always gonna be something. And I feel this, I do feel this so much because I'm a doer, as I've said before, and I try to say to the staff, mostly because I need to say it to myself, people before projects, people before projects. If there's, a, there's always a project to be done, right? There's always something that needs to be done. But if there is a, a human being standing in front of you, whether in your office or at this grocery store or at your house or in your neighborhood, they are much more important than whatever project's going on. They are made in the image of God. They're precious to him. They're worthy of your time. And so let's, let's allow ourselves to be interrupted. Let's allow ourselves like Jesus did. He let himself be interrupted. The second thing that we see here is that Jesus heard the blind man calling out even over the noise of the crowd. I think this is fascinating because it was might not have heard it. How did he hear this one man's voice out of the crowd? It's kind of remarkable. And I, I kind of feel that this is an attitude as much as it is an action. There's an attitude of listening for the person who's calling out for a need. See, our life is very noisy and busy. We got our phones and our iPads and we got all this stuff, right? We're so, it's so noisy. And so for us to stop and be like, listen for a minute. Is there someone who has a need? Is there someone who I could just befriend? Is there somebody who's calling out over the din that I'm just not paying attention to because I'm so in my own thing? Does that make sense? And so Jesus heard him heard him. Again, you can't be rushing on to the next thing to hear someone calling out of the crowd. The third thing that Jesus did, which is also interesting, is that he asked what the man wanted. You'd think Jesus wouldn't have to do this, you know. So why did he ask? Why did he ask anyway? We don't fully know, but I think one of the reasons is because he was modeling for us this idea that we can't assume we know what people want or need until we've talked to him, until we've talked to him. So we have to ask, we have to have that relationship, we have to talk to the person, ask questions, and then listen for the answers. And then fourthly, of course, Jesus healed him. That was being a good neighbor, really nice thing to do. I'm not Jesus. (laughs) But I will say, as Bishop Starks said, the Holy Spirit is in you, there's an anointing on you to minister to every person you meet, whether it might be in something supernatural and maybe God will give you a word and maybe that person will be healed. And it might also be something very ordinary like loaning them your lawnmower or you know, picking up some groceries for them or something, it may be something very ordinary, but you are there, you are there to be able to do what God puts on your heart to do for that person. And so we can be like Jesus. This part of listening to one another, listening for our neighbor, 
is a reminder that everyone has a story. I kind of said it before. Everyone has a story. We all, you know, everyone loves to tell their story. The problem is so few people listen to the stories, right? Because we all want to tell our story. <laughs> we got a story. We got an opinion. We got an idea. And the, so we want to tell ours thing. Um, and yet um, we can be a friend and a neighbor by listening to their stories and finding out what's going on with them. And so let's just think about this week, how we might be able to have a conversation with someone in your neighborhood, in your community, in your workplace even, and to hear a story. Hear their story. To ask them a good question and find out about their story. Here's, here's something, the great power of listening. And the great power of listening is that what you find out is that your assumptions about people are almost always wrong. You see the person move in and you make immediate assumptions based on the car they drive, the way they dress, the way they look, the way they interact with their kids, right? And, and, and it's, your assumptions are probably wrong, or even if they're right, they only represent a tiny slice of who this incredible, complex person is in front of you, right? Everyone, you know, has such complexity to them, and so we can only find that out by listening. So that's one of the great things that happens to us when we start to listen, is we, we find out the complexity of people. They're more than just the car they drive or the way they dress. Or... And listening also, and this is really important in this day and age, Listening helps you love people whom you disagree with. Do we have a problem with that <laughs> in our society today? Of people that we disagree with and we're defending them on Facebook and people are, are you know, are, are taking them out. I can't be friends with this person because they think this way about guns or they think this way about race or they think this way about whatever the issue is. And I want to ask you a question. Did God ever say, agree with your neighbor? Was that the command? No, the command is love your neighbor. <laughs> love your neighbor. So we can love them. We can love them even if we disagree. And so if we decide to be a listener, we can decide, and this is a decision we have to make, that we don't have to um, you know, correct everything we hear that seems to not agree with us. We can just listen. We may not agree with everything everyone says. I'm sure we won't. But we can also realize that most people come to where they are because of their story because of experiences they've had, because of hurts they've had, because of people they've been around, and their story informs why they are, think the way they do about all these issues. And so for us to learn their story helps us to understand and then to love them better. Amen? This is a hard word. You know, someone comes to you and says, I don't like church. I don't know why people go to church. There's a bunch of hypocrites over there. You know, they're just full of power and, you know, telling people that they're going to go to hell. And, you know, well, I don't know why anyone will go to church. And as a church person, you might feel just a little insulted by that. <laughs> and you might have a tendency to want to defend and to say, well, but no, that's not really what churches are like, and you should see my church. And No, there's a story behind that statement. You know there is. There's probably some hurt. There's probably some experiences. And so the better thing is to ask a good question, like what's been your experience with church? Yeah, I've seen, I, I agree with them. Yeah, I've seen hypocrisy in church. What's your experience with that? and just hear their story. Oh, the understanding that comes when we hear a person's story. And then we can love them. Interestingly, uh, I just read a great article this, this month in uh, Reader's Digest. Every now and then, Reader's Digest really does a great one. Um, this is actually an excerpt from a book by Monica Guzman, and the book is called I Never Thought of It That Way. And it's all about um, 
how to deal with you know, people that you disagree with, right? That you are on fundamentally opposite sides of whatever poll. Um, and I didn't read the whole book, I just read this one excerpt. But she talks about the fact that she voted for Biden and her parents voted for Trump, but they still love each other and they, they can be together. And you know, how does that work? And so she talks about a very interesting experiment that she did. This was back a number of years ago. Um, she and a bunch of her friends in Seattle, I think they were all um, a journalist like her, and they were all young liberals, okay? They had all at the time voted for Clinton. This was back in the Clinton-Trump uh, um, election. And so they had all voted for Clinton. They're all young liberals from Seattle. And they drove out to a farming country in Oregon. And all the people in that community, most of them had voted for Trump. And the whole purpose of the trip was to listen. Okay, it was just to listen. And she talks about this, that she started, they started to ask questions, why, you know, why they vote the way they did, what's going on in this community. And what she got from these farmers was all kinds of stuff that she had no idea about. Things about the, the farming policies and things about water and the land and all this stuff that she'd never even thought of. And they said, they said that they thought that this businessman, Trump, and, and his policies were going to work better for them. And her comment was, they voted this way for reasons I hadn't even considered. I'd never even known anything about this farming situation. And so I say all that not to, you know, at all, you know, acknowledge a particular party or a person, but to say the value of listening is that you begin to understand why people think the way they do, why they vote the way they do, why they talk the way they do, even if at the end of the day you don't end up agreeing with them, but you can understand them and therefore you can love them because we're still meant to love. We gotta be humble, realize there's lots of things we don't know, don't understand about other people's experience. We only learn when we start to listen. And church, I believe that we should get we need to get better at this. The church should be the best at this, right? We got the love of Jesus in us. We got the Holy Spirit in us. We should be the best in it. And unfortunately, the church, at least out in the world, looks just as bad as the world, doesn't it, on all of this? And that's, that's embarrassing. So let's be people who listen. Let's, let's listen to one another, even just in this body, but also out in your communities. She, um, Guzman then ends the article with this brilliant set of questions that I just had to share with you because I, I kind of want to remember these myself and use these questions when I'm talking with someone which, with whom I disagree, when I, on a different side of some coin with them. And here's what she says. She says, when you want to explore why they're wrong, instead, instead whose view wins determine what makes each view understandable. When you want to discover why someone believes something that confounds you, when you want to know what their problem is, when you want to demand why they don't care about what you care and when you want to stop listening so you can react or respond or judge Ask one. That's Jesus stuff right there. I don't know if she's a Christian or not, but that's Jesus stuff. That's, that's listening with love, with ears that want to understand and love the creation of God that's before you, that person. No matter where they stand and no matter who they are, they are precious to God. And we're meant to love them as we love ourselves. So that's listening to our neighbor 
promise the next two won't be quite as long as that, but that's the big one, listening to our neighbor. The second thing I want us to remember is to listen to God as well. When we are talking about loving our neighbors and caring for our neighbors, all around you, every person you know in your family and in your neighborhood and in your workplace, they're all, God is already working in their life. He's doing stuff. He's drawing them to himself. And we get to join in. Is this, did this just go out? Huh, interesting. Test. It says I have battery. Oh, there, just went back. I tell you, there's something going on with our sound system. It's bizarro. Anyway, all right, so I'm good? Good? Okay. Um, we get to join in what God is doing already in your neighborhood and in your, in your, in your workplaces. So we have to be listening. It's just like when you learn to pray for someone. When you take, if you take Relisa and Joy's prayer class, you will learn to stop and listen to the Holy Spirit. Before you just start praying for someone, you'll stop and you'll listen. And sometimes God will give you words, sometimes God will give you an image, sometimes a scripture that you can then use to pray for that person, right? And, you know, in the same way, we can be asking God, we can stop and listen when we think about loving our neighbors, having them over, going out and talking with them, you know, just making friends, any of our friends, Listen for the Holy Spirit. What's he doing? Does he have a word he wants to give you for them, a, a way that you can minister to them? Listen, we are kingdom people, and so we're open to God using us in powerful ways, even supernatural ways, if we'll listen. Um, you know, we're, we've talked uh, uh, several times today about how we're part of the vineyard, right? John Wimber, who was one of our early, earliest leaders of the vineyard, talked about power evangelism. What's power evangelism? Power evangelism is a, is a rational explanation of the gospel accompanied by signs and wonders um, that then is very convincing to a person that's wondering about, about the Lord. Um, and he talked about that when the Spirit is moving and God is doing something that's supernatural, then it opens up people's heart to what he wants to do in their life. It's very powerful. He talked about Acts 9 where Peter prays over a, 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 par a paralyzed man named Aeneas, and he was healed, and then it says, all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. So because they saw the, the miracle that was done there, they turned to Jesus. Same with uh, a little bit later, they, he, they, Dorcas dies in Acts 9, and then she's raised back to life through the prayers of the disciples, and then it, what does it say? It says, um, many people believed in the Lord. I should say so. <laughs> People are raising up from the dead. But when God, you know, shows up in supernatural ways, it softens our hearts, it softens anyone's heart to what, that God is there. And so I want to ask us a question. Are we praying for this? Are we praying for the manifest presence of God to show up in our neighborhoods and with our friends and our families and, um, and in our interactions with them? Or, or, or have we gotten a little secular we don't quite believe that God shows up. Like, that was like Wimber days, you know, back in the 80s when stuff was all wacky. You know, does that happen anymore? Does God really show up like that anymore? Are we vineyard or not? <laughs> we are. Let's, let's remember to ask. I know I don't always remember to ask. Lord, speak to me. Speak to me with a word that would be an encouragement word. I don't even know why what I said was encouraging, but some, God could use my word to truly touch a person, even just the grocery clerk, even just the person at the bank. It just, God could use you, but we need to be asking and listening for God, listening for God. Just like the biblical leaders before us, can we ask God, would you, for the glory of your name, 
For the sake of your name, Lord, would you show yourself strong? Would you show yourself to be real in my community, in my neighborhood, in my family, in my workplace, in, in everywhere we are? Would you show yourself strong, God? Show yourself to be real. Amen. The last thing uh, I want to talk about with listening is listening to place. And this is kind of interesting. This is kind of an uh, interesting insight that came from this book. Uh, we listen to the people around us and to God, but we also can listen to the place, the, the heartbeat of the places around us, the culture that we're in. Apostle Paul was, was a master at this, right? Depending on where he was, what community he was with, he could adjust how he talked about the gospel and what he did, you know, based on if they were Greeks or Jews or if they were educated people or farmers or whatever they were. He could speak to every culture because he was aware of what they were. He was, he was, he was listening to the place. And this author, Rich Gorman, talks about listening for the four P's of a place. We've got to listen to these four P's in Greensboro. Pain, pennies, power, and parties. The pain is what is the pain and challenge of this place? Where are people hurting in this community? Where are people struggling? Pennies, understand the economy of a place. How many people are out of work? How many people are struggling with the cost of groceries and gas and all of that? Are we aware? Are we listening for that so that we can then be more loving and, and more of a neighbor to the people around us? How about the power? knowing who are pow who's the powerful people in this place and who are the powerless. Do you realize on your street, you may have powerful and powerless right on your street. So are we aware of that? Are we listening for that? And parties, what do people celebrate and, and, and share it, long for what are the important celebrations here? I have never seen so many graduation parties in all my life. Christian, I hope Christian's getting one. Uh, you know, so many parties. It was one that was so loud. We, we, Paul and I were taking a walk and we're like, where's that music coming from? It sounded like it was right there. It was like blocks away. Big, big graduation party for somebody. Um, but we celebrate our kids here, right? I mean, when kids do something great, we celebrate it. And so let's think about that for Greensboro. Think about that for our communities. Where's the pain, the pennies, the power, and the parties? When I think about the pain and the challenge of Greensboro, um, and I'm, I'm relatively new here, obviously, um, but I, I know there's pain over violence and over racism and over abuses and um, like any community. And we need to be people who listen. And in January, you might remember I did a sermon on lament. That one of the most powerful ways we can come alongside people who are in pain, who are struggling, is to lament with them, to, to take on their pain with them and to cry with them, to sit with them, whether it, they're heartbroken over a child that's gone astray, whether they're, they have an illness or a financial hardship, whether they've lost a job, whether they've suffered an injustice. Can we sit and can we lament with them? This is a powerful way to listen. It's a powerful way to be there for our neighbors. And I just got to tell you that we have a little bit of an opportunity coming up um, to both both participate in the pain and the party next week. Next week, for those of you who may not be aware, is Juneteenth. It'll be on Sunday, the 19th. And, you know, if you're like, unfortunately, a lot of white people, you might be like, what's Juneteenth again? <laughs> I have to look it up. Um, what is it? And Juneteenth, of course, is a celebration um, of the very last of the slaves in Texas being set free. It's June 19th, 1865. A few years earlier, Abraham Lincoln had declared the Emancipation Proclamation and set all people free. It wouldn't be it couldn't be enforced uh, down in some of these southern states until the Civil War was over. And so it was really at that moment on Juneteenth when finally the last slaves were set free. 
And so this is a moment of great celebration. It has become a moment of great celebration for our African-American community because it is the time when there was true freedom for every American. And they celebrate it. We celebrate it. It's now a federal U.S. holiday. Some of you are going to get Monday off because of it. And so my question for you here today, whether you are white or black, can we celebrate, can we lament and celebrate with those people who are celebrating Juneteenth? Can we lament over the fact that a Juneteenth had to occur? It's a sadness and a grief for over 40% of the population in Greensboro. That's our people, the percentage of people of color in our, our community. So can we lament with them that this had to even be a holiday? And then can we celebrate it? Say happy Juneteenth to somebody next week. Go to some of the celebrations. There's going to be celebrations downtown. Let's rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Does that make sense, church? Let's rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. This is how we understand the pain and the challenge of place. And we get the privilege of doing that here in Greensboro in this very, very special city. So I love this idea of listening to place. Let me bring this all to a close. Do you see how powerful listening can be? It can help us to bridge with people whom we, with whom we disagree on lots of issues. It can help us to bridge with people whom we, we have very different experiences, different colors of our skin, different backgrounds, different education. We, by, lis- by simply listening, we can truly be a neighbor. We can love people. We can love all the precious people that God made. And in some ways, you know, it's been a little bit easier for Paul and me because we're new here, right? So we're kind of in this mode. We're listening. We're paying attention to Greensboro and to the community. Meaning, you know, I've had to get out of my little introverted self and meet all kinds of new people. You should all be very proud of me. Um, you know, that it, I had to come out of that and start to meet people. But let me just say this to you, that it's just as easy for us as it is for all of us to just settle right back into our comfort zone to get back in our car and pull it into the driveway and let the garage door go down. And we go to dinner and we have our dinner and we come back out, we go to work without interacting with anyone. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. So easy to stay just with people who are like us and think like us and talk like us and are easy to be with. It's so easy to be with our old friends. Some of you have been here for years and years and years. And so it's the thought of making new friends is like, well, I got, lots, I got plenty of old friends. I don't need any new friends. <laughs> Let me remind you of Apostle Paul's words, which I read to you last week, Galatians 5, 13 to 15. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom. And in the context of... of not indulging the flesh, serving each other humbly and in love. He's reminding us that it's so easy to indulge the flesh. It's so easy to get comfortable. It's so easy to to just take care of ourselves. And he's saying, now love your neighbor as yourself. Get out of our comfort zone and listen. This is going to take some intentionality, and I'm hoping that as I'm talking that God is bringing people to mind for you. People in your neighborhood, people in your community, people at work maybe even, that that you are meant to love on, to go out of your way for, to take a little break in your schedule from. Maybe go have coffee, maybe invite them to your house for, for a glass of wine or whatever it is you like to drink. What Maybe it's time for you to take some intentionality and spend some time with your neighbor. 
This is an easy charge this week. Listen, just listen. That's all you got to do. Listen to their story. Listen to our neighbors without judgment. Listening for understanding and their heart and their stories. There's listening to God. And when he prompts you, listen, go. If, you're, if you walk in your house and, and he puts the name of some, one of your neighbors on your brain, then you better go out and go meet that neighbor. Because <laughs> he's talking to you. He's talking to you. And let's expect him to move supernaturally. And finally, listen to place. Let's hear the, the, the pain, the pennies, the power, and the parties. And ask, how can I be a blessing here? I'd like us all to just close our eyes as the, as the, as the band comes back up. I'd like us to close our eyes and just ask the Lord to speak to us. This is not just theoretical. It's not for the person sitting next to you. It's for you. Who is God putting on your heart? Who can you love? Who do you even have an encouraging word to say? Maybe you've even been thinking about it, that there's an encouraging thing you could say or do for this person. Whose story do you want to hear? may be very different from yours. What questions could you ask them? We always take a, a few moments at the end of each service to allow for ministry time. If you would like to be prayed for, we want to invite you to come up. There's a prayer station over here uh, for you to come up and be prayed for. And maybe it's for something that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, and that's fine. God wants to meet you right where you are. You may have come in here with something burdening you, and we want to make sure you don't leave before God's able to speak to that. But I also wanted you to use this time to reflect on what you've just heard and ask the Lord, what, how, how, who can I love? How can I love my neighbor as myself this week? So let's just take a moment. <laughs>